Hey, this is Todd Mullen, senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thanks for taking time out of your week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. We've been in this very powerful series over the last few weeks about who is this man? Who is this man? And, and we've been walking through the life of Jesus and specifically all of the I am statements that Jesus made when he was here so that he would leave no doubt in anybody's mind that he truly was the son of God and that anyone that decided to follow him, that he would change their lives. And I love all of these I am statements because every single one of them, they paint a really clear picture of who he is but not only who he is, but who we can become when we put our trust in him and we find our identity in him. He said that I am the bread of life, that you don't have to be empty anymore. I've come to fill, to fill you. And no matter how dark this world may get, I am the light of this world and I can shine my light even in the darkest of places. But I'm not only powerful, no, I'm not only powerful people but I am personal. I am a good shepherd. You can know my voice. I am the door. And I, I opened up this opportunity for all of you to, to step into a relationship with the God of the universe. And no longer do you have to be lost or confused or feel dead inside because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And by the way, if you wanna know what your heavenly father looks like, here I am. I am a, 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 an image, a visible image of the invisible God. And I came to change your life. And you know, I, I love this, this I am statement that I'm gonna be sharing from today. And you probably look at the platform and, and maybe guess what I'll be speaking on today. But um, before I jump into this passage, I, I just wanna set the scene for you. Because in, in John chapter 14 through 16, it's, it's what's called in scripture as Jesus' final discourse. And these are, are these chapters, these, these words, final words of Jesus that is one conversation that really took place all in one night. These are, these are his final words. And it's important that we pay close attention to, to these last words because these last words were weighty words. In John 15, the disciples, they've, they've just finished the Last Supper and where Jesus washed their feet, they shared a meal together. Judas has just left the building and, and he went to go betray Jesus by telling the Roman soldiers where Jesus and the disciples would show up later on in the evening. And so the countdown was on. And Jesus, Jesus knew that his time was limited. And if you can imagine this scene, they leave the, the upper room and they start making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're walking along, Jesus knows, he knows what lies ahead for him. It would only be hours ahead that, that he would be arrested and, and then taken, beaten and crucified. But he also knows what's waiting ahead for the lives of his disciples. Remember, they had been following him for these last three years and, and they had a front row seat to the miraculous miracles, not just healing physical bodies, but even more importantly, the, the healing that they saw Jesus do in the lives and the hearts of people. 
And so they'd been following closely and, and now Jesus knew that he was gonna be leaving his mission to carry on the hope, this message to the world with his disciples. And this passage, it's like this encouragement that he's giving his disciples, his followers. He's, he's letting them know what it's gonna look like to follow him when they can no longer see him. So along these roads that they're walking down, they, they would see these vineyards and these vineyards would have been there for generations. And so Jesus being this master communicator, this master storyteller, he decides to create this unforgettable metaphor to let them know that even though they wouldn't be together physically, that they could still stay connected, that his absence did not mean abandonment. And this is, this is the picture that, 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 that they're looking at. And I could just see Jesus looking over the vineyards as he begins to share these words with his disciples. He says this, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. See, the statement alone would have been a little bit of a shock to his disciples because, because they always thought of themselves as the vine. In the Old Testament, the vine was a representation of the nation of Israel, the, the nation that had been chosen by God to carry God's message into the world. And so this, this, this vine, they would have thought, wait a minute, I, we are the vine. This was part of their identity. They would have thought of themselves as, as being responsible for carrying God's presence into the world. And what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, guys, the pressure's off. Okay, I have come to do what no nation and no people can do and no longer is, is my presence gonna be limited to one nation, but this thing's gonna go viral. So I am the true vine and I'm the only one that can do this. He's saying, I, I'm the vine that I'm a root, I'm a life source, I have a life source. I've come to give spiritual life, which includes eternal life one day, but my presence in my life every day. He goes on to say, my father, he is the gardener. He's the, the vineyard keeper. And he created all of this. And, and he's close, a, a vineyard keeper would be close and, and he, he cares for all of this. And then in, in verse two, it goes on to say, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do, that do bear fruit so they can bear more fruit. And I really didn't wanna preach on this verse because it's a little confusing to me because I've got this picture of this really nice vine keeper taking care of it. And then all of a sudden he says, you know, that, that if you bear fruit, if you don't bear fruit, I'm gonna cut you off. And then if you do bear fruit, I'm just gonna cut you. And so this just doesn't sound like a, 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 a very kind father. But as I, I begin to dig into this passage, there, the, that word cuts off. It comes from the Greek word, Iro. And this, this Greek word is used about a hundred times in scripture, and it can mean cut off, and many times it does mean cut off. But in the hundred times it's used in scripture, the majority of the time, it's actually the word pick up, to pick up. We see this when, when Jesus commands the lame man to, to Iro, to pick up his mat to, and follow him. We also see it in John chapter eight when, he, when these religious leaders were mad at, at Jesus and, 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 he said, and they said, it said that they were gonna pick up, they were gonna iro some stones and throw them at him. And so when you look at this, is it picked up? 
did he, is he gonna pick up the branch or is he gonna cut off the branch? Well, then if you look a little deeper into this picture that Jesus is painting, you see it in the context of, this, of the vine and the branches and, and you see that, that, that the disciples would have known that any gardener, because they were very familiar with vines, any gardener would never leave a, land, a, a branch just lying on the ground. Because a branch that's, that's lying on the ground, it would, it would get trampled on. And, and it, it, if, it, if, it did bear, if it did bear fruit, the fruit would begin to rot. So what a gardener's job was, a gardener's job was to, to actually pick up a branch that had fallen on the ground and then clean it off and then put it in position, get it reconnected to the vine, put it in position so that it could grow more fruit. See, his, he, he wants to put the branch, and that's what he does to us. He puts us in position to grow more fruit when we're on the ground. And see, I think this is so important for us to remember because, because a lot of us have this view of God, like if we do something wrong, he's just waiting to cut us off. Or maybe we've done something wrong and, and, and we feel cut off, disassociated from. And, and this is the, the lie of the enemy to keep us from the fruitful life that God has for us. Because we tend to avoid people that we disappoint. But what I want you to hear is that, that what the scripture is saying is that he wants to pick you up, put you in position, that nothing can separate you from his love. His mercies are new every single day and, and you have a, a gardener, a, a father who is a gardener and he is intentional, intentional about doing whatever it's gonna take for you to lead a fruitful life. This is the, the kind of father that we have. And then this, this scripture, we've got the Jesus is the true vine and our father is his gardener that puts us in position, picks us up, cleans us up and puts us in position to bear fruit and then he tells his disciples how, how they and how we as his followers, how we fit into the picture. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice he says, you, and actually that word you in the original language is, is plural. It's you all, y'all. Y'all are the branches, right? Y'all are the branches. You're not just a branch. You're, we're, we're branches together. He intended for us to be interconnected together, that we're together, we're, we're stronger, that there be strength in the vine as we grow together, connected to Jesus, the vine, and then connected to each other. And there's a couple things that, that you need to know about a branch, right? I'm gonna give you a few branch facts because they're gonna be kind of obvious, but since Jesus is talking about us, I think it's important that we know how we fit into this picture. And the first thing is, is that, that a branch has one job, it has a purpose. And that purpose is that, that it would bear fruit. And the fruit that, that this branch is gonna bear, that we as his branches are gonna bear, is this kind of fruit, that, that's the fruit they talk about in Galatians, Galatians, when it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's the kind of fruit that, that's gonna grow in our lives. So what this is saying is that if we are his followers, that people are actually gonna see our fruit. That, that they're, gonna, they're gonna know him and know that he exists because of the fruit in our lives. 
that, that, that the way that we love people, love all people, not just the people that believe like us or think like us, but the way we love people, that we as believers, that we should be the kindest, the happiest, the most faith-filled people on the planet. As a matter of fact, that, that this is how people are gonna know who the vine is because of our love, our joy, our peace, our patience. And the other thing about, about the branch that you need to know is that the only way this branch can fulfill this purpose is if it stays connected to the vine. And then a disconnected branch becomes something else. A disconnected branch becomes a stick and the only thing a, a stick is good for is, is to be thrown into the fire and become a little wood pile and none of us wanna be that. So it's important that we stay connected. But this one is really important because the one thing we, we need to know, if there's one thing about the branch is that, that we need to know is that people will see the branches before they see the vine. People are gonna see the branches before they see the vine. This is how it happened with me, this is my story that when I was a, a very broken 14 year old girl, I walked into church for the very first time, I met people in that church that, that made living for Jesus, not just inside the walls of the church, but outside the walls of the church, they made living for Jesus look so fun. Their lives were filled with joy and purpose. And I knew that I wanted what they had. I, they were bearing fruit and I wanted that fruit. And, and this is the deal is that people are either gonna be drawn to the vine or they're going to walk away from the vine by the fruit that they see on the branches. And, and this is so important because the fruit is actually the proof of the root. The fruit is, is proof that you are connected to the vine. And see, when, when Jesus calls us this branch and says that whoever remains in me and I in him will bear fruit, he's, he's describing this really close connection. And what he's telling his disciples, again, we're talking about this conversation he's having with them right before he's getting ready to leave. And what he's telling them is that, that you are gonna become my representation to the world. People are gonna see you before they see me. And every other I am statement that Jesus makes, it, it all talks about Jesus being the entry point to salvation. But this I am statement is different because he's talking to his followers. He's talking to people that, that are already in, already saved. So this message is, is to the one that, that already has a relationship with Jesus. These are the people that, that know him. And, and what he's saying is, is that, that this right here, this is your new family tree. And you're gonna look like me and you're gonna look like who you're connected to. And think about your own family tree. You know, there are some really strong resemblances, right, in, in your family tree. Whether, you know, probably your, your hair, your body build, and genetics are really powerful. And there's, we resemble the people that we're genetically connected to. I've got a picture for you. So this is my son Jefferson in his early 20s. And this is his grandfather, Papa, coach, in his early 20s. I mean, there's a generation that divides them, but you can see a strong resemblance. You resemble who you are connected to. And this, this vine in a spiritual family, what Jesus is saying is this, this life as a branch, this life of a connected disciple, it's not just about what you do, it's who you are. It's who you are. 
And you see, Jesus is getting ready to leave them. And, and you would think that, that he would start out with the strategic plan of, of how to win the world in 21 days. But instead, he begins to, again, unpack these principles from a vineyard of what a fully devoted life looks like. And I want to unpack these principles because it's all about this power and a promise. This, this life that we're talking about is about power and a promise. See, first, Jesus, he makes a promise to them, and then he takes them through a process. And this process contains these keys that, that we need in our own lives to fulfill our calling as disciples. First, he makes a promise, and he tells them, I, I'm leaving you, but, but I'm not leaving you alone. In the same conversation, Jesus tells them that, that I'm not leaving you alone. I'm, I'm going to send you an advocate. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone so that, that it's actually going to be better when I leave because he can be with you 24-7. He's going to strengthen you for the journey. You are not alone. And in Acts chapter 1, he tells them to go wait for the helper. And then in Acts chapter 2, he delivers on the promise. He sends the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And they, it fills the disciples. They go out and they share the good news. And 3,000 more people step into a relationship with Jesus. And the church of Jesus Christ is born. And the same Holy Spirit that was deposited in their lives on that day, 2,000 years ago, is the spirit that is deposited in your life and in my life when we step into a relationship with Jesus. At the moment of salvation, we receive the promise. But salvation is just the start. It's like, okay, congratulations, you're a branch now. So, so let's, let's start talking about the process. The process. Let's start working out, as the Bible says, working out your salvation. See, the process is important because Jesus knew that, that, that good fruit, it takes time. See, these grapes didn't grow. These grapes didn't grow at all because they're fake grapes. But real grapes in a vineyard don't grow in the same season they are planted. It takes time for real fruit, for lasting fruit to develop. And so he starts talking about this process of what it's going to look like to, to become a fully devoted follower. And, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this, this process. And I'm, the first step in this process, I want to see if you, can, if you can help me uncover the secret in the first part of this process. I'll give you a hint as I read the scripture. It's, it's in here. And there's, I'll give you a hint. It's a word. So one word, keyword. And, um, and I want to see if you can find it. There's going to be a quiz at the end. So let me read it for you. John 15, four and five, it says, remain in me also as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you will do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Did you guys figure out what the word is? Remain, you guys are sharp, okay. Remain, good job, Royal Palm Campus. But he's talking about remaining. And this word remain is actually used 11 times in 11 verses. Remain in the Greek means to abide, to take up residence, to establish a permanent address. It means that I am staying right here. I'm taking up residence in your presence. And there is this power that comes in being connected. And this is so important for some of you because I think that sometimes we think that since our purpose is to bear fruit, that we have to start getting to work producing fruit. But 
These branches on the vine, they, they didn't have to work to become grapes. They had, all they had to do was stay connected and fruit followed. So the first part of this process that I need you to understand is that connection precedes production. Connection comes before production. And this is really important because so many times I've, I've talked to so many of you and, and you're trying so hard to, to overcome an addiction or a habit because, because you know that you want more joy in your life. And, and some of you are, are trying to, to, to forgive that person that, that's hurt you. And you want to experience God's goodness and, and his patience, but, but you can't. Or maybe you're, trying to, maybe you're trying to walk away from a relationship so you can re- receive God's best. And I think that sometimes we're just, we're trying so hard to get the joy, to get the peace. And what this is saying is that fruit doesn't come by trying harder, it comes by knowing him better. It doesn't come by trying harder and harder, but it comes from knowing him better. Jesus never told us to go and, and produce some fruit. He just said, stay connected. And so what does this look like in our everyday life? I think I've got a couple people to help me with this. So what does this look like in our everyday life to, to stay connected, to abide in him? And, and they have this robe, Kayla and Josh. Give it up for Kayla and Josh here. So Kayla and Josh are, are holding a rope. This rope is actually 168 inches long. And this represents how many hours you have in your week, okay? So 168 inches, so a third of this rope, this is you sleeping. And unless you're having sleep problems, most of us spend about a third of our week sleeping. And then this yellow part is actually the other third of your life, the next third, which, um, which is about our work and our job and, and what we do for a living. And then, and, or going to school if you're a student. And then that leaves us with about 56 hours left. And so 39 of those hours, right here, 39 of those hours, about 17 of those, 39 is like what, what you can, well actually, let me go to the 17 hours, actually is, is how much time that most people spend on social media, right? On Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest, about 17 hours a week. And that leaves about 39 hours to, to get the kids ready for school, to go to some ball games, to watch some Netflix, whatever else you do in your free time. And so that doesn't leave much room for abiding, right? But, but here, oh wait a minute, here we go. Oh, okay, this is what most of us, this, this is how much time, we're Christians, so we're gonna give some time to God, right? And so most of us will, will give that one hour a week to God. Well, how many of you know that, that one hour a week at the gym is not gonna get you in shape, right? Well, one hour a week with God isn't gonna, isn't gonna get you in spiritual shape, it's not gonna get you the spiritual strength that you need. And so what, what Jesus is talking about here about abiding and remaining is that, that he doesn't just want one hour of your week. He wants to invade every single space and place. He wants you to abide and remain in every single area of your life. See, when I decided that I was going to remain with Todd and become his wife, I didn't just date him anymore. It wasn't just one hour a week. When, when, when we began remaining together, he became a part of all of this, where I slept, what we did in our free time. He was a part of all of this. And this is what Jesus wants to do. He wants, 
You, he wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to, he wants you to be fruitful in your job. And, and when you're a branch and you're abiding with him, you know that your job is, isn't just work. It's not just a workplace. It's a holy place. It's not just about a prophet. It's about the people that you can impact. He knows that, that if you'll abide with him, that when other people are panicked, that, that you're going to have peace. And so how do you do this? How does this work out practically? And I think it begins with putting yourself in position every single day, putting yourself in position, putting in place some practices that are going to connect you to the sap of the Holy Spirit that is going to give you nourishment, to give you the strength to invade every single area of your life. You know, those practices that we talk about all the time, why don't you give, you guys can go, give these guys a hand. I'm talking about some practices, some practices like, like getting up earlier, taking maybe one of those hours of sleep, getting up earlier and, and spending time in the word. The, the, the scripture goes on to say that, that you, you'll remain in him when you obey what he says. But to do what he says, you gotta know what he says. His word will bring you strength. Spend time in prayer. Because when you're praying for people, it's a lot easier to be patient with people. To spend time in, in serving others. It's about putting ourselves in position to receive from the Holy Spirit what we need to, to uh, remain with him in every single area of our life. This is the kind of life that he's called you to. This is not a one hour a week life. It's an abiding life, an established life that every area of my life is devoted to him. See, remember connection precedes production. And you don't have to try harder, you just have to hang tighter. So then it goes on and, and it says that Jesus talks about the, the second part of this process. And I don't really like to talk about this one very much because um, it's not my favorite topic. But the second part is found in, in this verse, chapter 15, verse two, when it says that every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will produce more fruit. Pruning isn't my favorite topic, but, but it's necessary. See, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that if we're not pruned, we're not gonna produce. And you need to know that, that pruning, even though it's painful, it's not a punishment. Even though pruning is painful, it's not a punishment. There's times that we're going through times and seasons that, that it's hard to understand what God is doing in those times and it feels like he's so distant. But just because you're in a pruning season doesn't mean that you're, you've necessarily done something wrong. You know, um, the truth is that, that life on the vine and life off the vine is gonna come with troubles, right? We're gonna have financial troubles, relationship troubles, work troubles. But the difference is, is that when you're on the vine, there's some promises that we can hold on to. You know, back in the 1980s, there was this really well-known theologian. Um, he was really well-known um, with teenagers, mostly, and I think I have a picture of him. His name was Mr. Miyagi, right? From the Karate Kid. And, um, and if, you, if you ever saw the movie, there's this scene when, when Daniel, the young boy that, that, that Mr. Miyagi's mentoring, he comes in and he sees Mr. Miyagi with his eyes closed and, and he's pruning this little bonsai tree. And, and he says to Daniel, you know, that, that Daniel's like, what is this? It doesn't look like anything. And, 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 and he's like, you just, just keep watching. And every single day, day after day, Daniel would come in and he'd be pruning the bonsai tree. And I didn't know much about bonsai trees, but, um, but bonsai trees aren't just plants. 
They're an actual living, breathing work of art, right? And so, so what, what, I didn't know this, but there are bonsai trees that actually sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. There was one that sold for $1.3 million. And, and the value is actually in the vision of the master pruner, right? So Mr. Miyagi, as he's, as he's cutting these plants, he, Daniel comes in and he's, he's like, I don't, I, I don't understand where this is going. And he says, you have to trust the picture. You have to trust the picture. And what I want you to hear when you're going through a pruning process is that you can trust the picture of a heavenly father that has a vision for you to become more fruitful, more like him, produce more in the kingdom that you ever thought or dreamed possible. He, he wants to create you as a masterpiece, a living, breathing work of art, but we have to trust the picture. See, pruning is painful, but it's not punishment, but, and God doesn't cause our hard times, but he will use our hard times to snip off our, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, to, to get rid of some selfishness and some bad habits so we can grow more into his likeness. And in the vineyard, there's a few kinds of branches that, that he'll trim off. The first kind of branch that he, that, that he prunes is, is, the, is dead and diseased branches. These are the things in our lives that, that we know are, are causing um, a disconnection from God. The things like that we know that the Holy Spirit's convicted us up of. It might be the way we talked about that person or, or the anger or, or some, some, something that we've been carrying with us, a habit that we know is keeping us from God's best for us. And God cares too much about you to let it stay in the darkness. And so he brings it to light so that you can get the help that you need and walk into the fullness that he has for you. And all you have to do is ask for forgiveness. He picks you up, he cleans you off, he puts you back in position to bear more fruit. And that's what happens with dead branches. I remember going to celebrate recovery this last week and there was some beautiful pruning going on. Those that, that have stepped into facing up to their hurts and habits and hangups and the work that God is doing is a beautiful work. But he doesn't only cut off dead branches, but he also cuts off these branches called sucker branches. And I didn't know what these were, but a sucker branch is, is a branch that kind of shoots off the main branch and, and it distracts the nutrients and the nourishment away from the vine, away from the branch that's, that's, that's producing fruit. And it becomes, it, it's like this dead end. It diverts all the nourishment and energy. And, and so a sucker branch isn't really always destructive, it's just distracting. Right, And there are some distractions that God wants to prune out of our lives. It might be constant negative news that we're watching that's impacting our attitude. It might be binging on Netflix. It might be, it might be just something, again, not, not bad, but, but just distracting time on social media. And it's not that they're, they're bad, but, but they're keeping you from his best. You know, that time that you're connecting on social media, you could be connecting with a mentor that's going to grow you and challenge you in your faith. The time that, that you might be in, in spending in, 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 the, in, um, in watching news, that there might be a time that you could connect in a small group to study his word and, and to pray. Again, these sucker branches have to be pruned off so that more fruit can grow. You know, when, the, when they're cut off, it, it makes way for the better. And then this last one, the kind of branches that he cuts off is he cuts off healthy branches. And this is really frustrating because this is when there's some good things in our life that, that he actually cuts off so that 
We can have the better thing. And what I wish I could say is that when he cuts off the good job, that there's a better one waiting just ahead. Or when he, when he snips off that, that great opportunity, that there's a greater one waiting just around the corner. But this isn't always true. This, this isn't always true. See, the life of a disciple, the real fruit, isn't about how much money we make, how, how successful we are. It's not about what he does for you. It's about this deep work that he wants to do in you. It's about who you're becoming. And sometimes when you lose that job or that opportunity, it sure makes you a lot more compassionate for other people. It it forces you to to, to lean in and, and find your joy, not just in your stuff or your circumstances, but in knowing that Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. This is the kind of fruit that he wants to produce in each of us, not just stuff, not just what we do, but becoming who he created us to be. Look at this verse, it says in 15, John 15, eight, it says, when you bear this kind of fruit, it brings glory to my father and it shows that you are my disciples. It shows, it's proof that you're my disciples. So I have a question for you that I, I just want you to write down and carry this with you this week. Because this is, this is the question I've been asking myself this week. If he's the vine, and I'm the branch, this week, will people know him because of me? When they see me first, are they gonna see him next? And you don't have to answer that question now because you just heard the message, right? So you can carry that with you this week. And, but I have a couple challenges for you as, as you carry this question with you. And the first challenge is this because I want the answer for each of us to be a resounding yes. Yes, when people see me, they see him. And again, it's, it's not about us, it's not about what we do, it's about standing in the pros- promise and then walking faithfully through this process. So here's my challenge. The first challenge is that, that you would give him more than an inch, that you would give him more than an inch this week. And it might, I'm talking about maybe another hour of your week, and you might have to distribute it across the week, but, but take one of the, hour, the sleeping hours and, and, and take the time to consistently get in his word, spending time with him. The, the most fruitful, life-giving, fully devoted followers I know have one thing in common. They have a consistent practice every day, day after day, connecting themselves to the source of the Holy Spirit and allowing him to invade every area of your life. So give him more than an inch. And the second, the second challenge I have for you is that, that you, would, you would lean in and, and pursue some pruning. You know, if, you, if you've been a believer for a while and you haven't been in pain lately, you know, you might wanna check the fruit. You know, maybe, there, maybe there's something that, that you need to ask God to take out of your life. It might be a distraction. It might be a, a habit. Whatever it is, a, a negative mindset, but that a, process, a thought process that isn't pleasing to him. God, would you, would you prune it out of my life so that I could maybe experience some short-term pain for some long-term gain? And he'll do that for you. So I, I just wanna pray for all of us because I want you to know that you have a heavenly father, you can trust the picture that he has for you. I'm gonna pray two prayers. And the first prayer is for all of us is that we would lean into the, the promise and the, and the process. 
And you may be here today and maybe you, you've never stepped into this relationship that I'm talking about. I wanna pray for you in just a minute and give you an opportunity to connect to the vine so that you can experience the full abundant life that he has for you. Church, would you bow your heads? God, we thank you that you are a good father, a good gardener. And we thank you that we can trust the picture that, that you have for us. I pray God that your blessing and anointing on each person each one that, that decides to pursue the pruning and to give you more than an inch. And I pray, God, that you would go with them and, and grow in them, make them into the disciples that you created them to be. And the second prayer, I, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and you've never experienced this relationship with Jesus and never connected to him as your source, and you'd like to do that today, I wanna give you that opportunity. And I wanna say a prayer for you. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, let me know that I can pray for you. And I'm gonna pray this prayer out loud. We're gonna pray it together, but you're gonna pray it a little bit louder. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you love me just the way I am. You came to give your life to me. And today I wanna give my life to you. Please forgive me of my sin. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Amen, amen. Church, would you give it up for all those that prayed that prayer? Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word MORE to 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.